Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. We've talked about the sea, the ocean. A few times on this podcast, and specifically in relation to Tour's story, because it is so important. It is the barrier that keeps those from Middle-earth from reaching Valinor. And we understand why that is. We've read through the Silmarillion. But there's still a certain sense of mystery about the sea, and specifically... Veronwe being in Noldor, his perspective on the sea, and what actually happened when he was out there on the ocean. We've seen the story so far of the Noldor making their way across the sea from Valinor to Middle-earth. And we've also seen this represented a few different ways with Mankind seeking Valinor, whether it is Arendil eventually or eventually the Numenorians attacking Valinor. We've seen the journey and the attempts of the journey in the in that direction a few times now. And that's the same direction that Veronwe would be trying to approach Valinor. We know what it's like for men. What is it like for an elf? And specifically a Noldorian elf who did not participate in the very things, the very actions Feanor and the sons of Feanor did that got them banned. 
Remember, Veronwe wasn't born until the elves were already back in Middle-earth. He's heard stories of Valinor, all the wonder and majesty of this place that he can only imagine because he was never there, and yet is still banned, is still punished for the sins of his fathers. So in today's episode, we're in luck. Tolkien gives us Veronwi's perspective, what actually happened out there on the sea, and how he ended up tossed up on the shore just at about the same time that Tour would be there. And their two dooms would be entangled. So in this part of the story, we get this, uh, it's basically a monologue. We have this big chunk of text where Veronwe is explaining what it was like out there on the ocean. And we're going to pick this apart because you know how this goes <laughs> at this point. This is what he says. But the salt air of the sea now stirred anew the heart of my mother's kin within me. Remember, he had been wandering in the land of the willows down close to the shores of where Cirdan was, where the shipbuilding was. And he, he got waylaid. He uh, ended up lost in the beauty of nature for a little bit. But there's a rekindling in his spirit for the sea. And I rejoiced in the waves, learning all ship lore, as were it already stored in my mind. He spends some time with Cirdan and the finalizing of these ships and learns all of it so very quickly. This new or I guess rekindled love of the sea really takes a hold of him. So when the last ship and the greatest was made ready, I was eager to be going, saying within my thought, if the words of the Noldor be true, then in the West there are meads with which the land of willows cannot compare. Now, on first look, you probably recognize Land of the Willows. That was the area where he got lost in nature because it was so beautiful. But there would be meads. And my first thought when reading this again was beverages like a mead, like fermented honey. Isn't that what mead is made out of? No, this means meadow. This is another one of those archaic terms. Meads is short for meadows, meadows in this land. And he's again imagining what is Valinor like? Well, he's convinced himself, if I can make it there, then I'm sure I will see things beyond the scope of any beauty that I've seen at all, including the Land of Willows, which he recently recovered from seeing and, and caused him to lose a significant period of time. So what exactly would happen if he comes across a land even more beautiful? Well, he's daydreaming about it. There is no withering, nor any end of spring. This is the part where he's kind of filling us in as the reader, as maybe somebody who is reading the story and isn't familiar with this world, with this part of the world and the way it works. 
There's no withering. There's no end of spring. And perhaps even I, veron we, may come thither. And at the worst, to wander on the waters is better far than in shadow in the north. And I fear not, for the ships of the Teleri no water may drown. So we have a perspective here. He's excited to go. He's hoping he gets to actually land the ship, get onto the land, see the land, partake in it, in its beauty. And even if he can't, then at least he gets to be out on the water. Because in his mind, the waters can't be any worse than the darkness that has befallen Beleriand at this point. And notice he also even says, perhaps even I, Veronwi, he, he's humble. There's a humility in this. Who am I? I'm this young Noldor. What do I know? But maybe if granted the luck or the blessings of the, the Valar, maybe I'll be able to see some of these things. And even then, the, there's no way the ocean, the ocean is beautiful. There's no way it can be as bad as this darkness I'm leaving. But then we get the very next paragraph. But the great sea is terrible, Tour, son of Hur, and it hates the Noldor, for it works for the doom of the Valar. Now he states this in a way where it sounds like the ocean itself has a mind of its own. And we know that the waters themselves are controlled by the Valar and the Maiar who are in them. We also know that Ulmo is the only one of those who's on the side of the Noldor, or at least looking out for them. So what he's explaining here is that the rest of them are against the Noldor, and they're doing their jobs. The Doom of Mandos says that they may not return to Valinor, and the ocean itself is against them. But that's not the only thing we get here. Worse things it holds than to sink into the abyss and so perish, loathing and loneliness and madness, terror of wind and tumult and silence and shadows where all hope is lost and all living shapes pass away. He's explaining that even out on the open ocean, there are terrible things, and the first terrible things that he mentioned are just the feelings you get when out awash without a breeze, without being able to move the boat, fear and madness. And then the winds turn against you and the waves turn against you, terror of wind and tumult, and also silence and shadows. It sounds like he was out there for a long time and experienced pretty much everything the ocean can send at him. He goes on and says, And many shores, evil and strange it washes, and many islands of danger and fear infest it. This is a very, very interesting detail. Because we don't have, for all the uh, scholarly look into Tolkien's works, there are areas where he's just kind of vague. The nameless things under the ocean, under the world. 
the shores of evil and strange islands. We don't know where these actually are. They're not on a map, but they're out there somewhere. And this reflects the corruption that Morgoth, that Melkor, had worked into the world in these places that are far from the places that we're familiar with. He creates an unsettling picture of danger. He goes on, I will not darken your heart, son of Middle-earth, with the tale of my labor seven years in the great sea, from the north even into the south, but never to the west, for that is shut against us. Seven years. He spends seven years at sea. He and his friends on this, the greatest of boats of those boats that they sent out into the ocean, and he can't make it to Valinor. The ocean will not allow it. And he experiences all these terrors and says, I will not darken your heart. I will not give you more details than you need to know. And yet he survives it. He says at the last in black despair, when he was at kind of the end of his rope, metaphorically speaking, weary of all the world, we turned and fled from the doom that so long had spared us on to strike us the more cruelly. For even as we descried a mountain from afar, and I cried, Lo, there is Taras and the land of my birth. I'll pause here. What he's saying is they decide to turn back and they've realized that they've been toyed with. They've been uh, thrown into all these terrible situations, but yet still spared from death. They haven't been drowned yet. And they decide finally to turn back. And just when they can see out in the distance a sign that they're getting close to their homeland, back to Beleriand. The wind awoke, and great clouds, thunder-laden, came up from the west. It seemed that they had overstayed their welcome, basically. Then the waves hunted us like living things filled with malice. Can you imagine the picture of that? And again, this is an Olmo. And the lightnings smote us. And when we were broken down to a helpless hole, the seas leapt upon us in fury. But as you see, I was spared. For it seemed to me that there came a wave greater and yet calmer than all the others. And it took me and lifted me from the ship and bore me high upon his shoulders and rolling to the land, it cast me upon the turf and then drained away, pouring back over the cliff in a great waterfall. There but one hour had I sat when you came upon me, still dazed by the sea, and still I feel the fear of it and the bitter loss of all my friends that went with me so long and so far beyond the sight of mortal lands. This was tragic. At first you think about the sea and it being very difficult. And then all of a sudden it becomes extremely aggressive, tries to keep them from returning, destroys the boat 
sets them floating on probably planks of wood in the ocean. And then, of course, one, one wave saves him. That's Ulmo. We know. We know that's Ulmo. But it leaves his friends to die. That's extremely tragic. Now, was that Ulmo's decision? Were the friends already dead? Did he arrive there late? What happened? We don't know. But we know that he did save one of them. Veronwi sighed and spoke then softly as to himself. And this part is really cool. He says, But very bright were the stars upon the margin of the world, when at times the clouds about the west were drawn aside. Yet whether we saw only clouds still more remote, or glimpsed indeed, as some held, the mountains of the Pelori, about the lost strands of our long home, I knew not. Far, far away they stand, and none from mortal lands shall come there ever again, I deem. Then Veronwe fell silent, for night had come, and the stars shone white and cold. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we got to take a break to thank our patrons. I know that's kind of a cliffhanger. I'm going to get into more details about that last little paragraph, but it's so well written. How how else can you do a podcast than just kind of leave it on Tolkien's words on occasion? But thank you for being here. Thank you to all of our new patrons. Thank you to our current patrons, the people who have been around helping to support the show and make it happen. And welcome to our newest patrons, Julia S. Rosary Rose, or I'm sorry, Rosie Rose. 
Is that how you say that? And Brianna B, welcome to the Patreon. I hope you are enjoying what you get from patreon.com slash Lord of the Rings Lorecast. L-O-T-R Lorecast, I believe is the URL. And uh, man, I'm, I was doing so well at the beginning of this episode. Now I'm just talking to everybody. I'm kind of fumbling over my words again. It's like it's difficult to talk sometimes. Like words are hard. Uh, also, we got to shout out our VIP patrons. Here we go through the list as fast as possible. AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Apollo, Aragorn the Third, Austin C, Azel Razzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Feanor, David S, David M, Divine Madman, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gimli a Break, Gemma D, Jesse P, J Eggs, Jezer, Kate L, Katie S, Capenna. Lore FC, Lori B, Michael M, Nick K, Nostrils of Sauron, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Rosie Rose, Sam B, Sauron for Life, Seiju, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, and Tour Son of Hort 97. Thank you so much to all of you. Also, if uh, you want to help out in other ways, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We don't have any new ones this week to read out, but... Yours could be next. You just have to leave a review, even if you don't listen on that platform. As long as you have an Apple account, you can log in and leave a review. You can also rate the show on Spotify, share it with your friends, uh, do a little dance and perform a seance in order to, I don't know, teleport us all over to New Zealand so we can see the Hobbit houses together. That would be really cool. Uh, Thank you for being here. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. So the passage I left you on uh, is such a good and interesting passage. Somehow the stars are brighter as he got closer to Valinor. I love this because we know the elves were born in starlight. They love the stars and the light of the stars is holy to them. This is representative of this place being holy, closer to the holiness of light and the Valar, those kinds of things. Maybe even Iluvatar himself. There's a sense of the stars being out further into the void, closer in some ways to their actual father. There's also another thing that's going on here. This is a reference to the land of the fairy. The land of the fairy is a magical place. It's a place that's home to the beings, to the fairies, the beings that belong there but to everyone else it is both mystical and beautiful at times and terrible all at the same time and this is part of what he's explaining through this whole process veronway's exploration into the west trying to get back to valinor it's all of those things now the last little bit he says None from mortal lands shall come there ever again, I deem. This is a foreshadow, but it's false. We know some from mortal lands will end up there in the future. So to us, it's a little ironic. But if somebody's reading the story, then you're building expectations. If somebody like Veronwi and his friends and a host of other ships from the Noldor themselves can't make it there, then what hope does anyone like 
tour, any mortal man or woman have to be able to get there themselves. Clearly, the elves are better at most everything. And yet, we know how this plays out. So, of course, they can't just stay there pontificating about explorations across the ocean for the rest of the book. They have to move on. And Tour is now following Veronwi further back into the continent. Remember, he's leading him towards the gate that would lead him to Gondolin. And it's a dangerous route. We're reminded about this. They set out upon their long journey in the dark. They leave under the shadows of night. But yet, it's not as dangerous as it could be. We're told there's little to tell. Tolkien actually tells us there's little to tell for the shadow of Ulmo was upon tour and none saw them pass. Remember, they were given these cloaks. They were disguised, almost like shadows walking through the forest. By wood or stone, by field or fen, between the setting and the rising of the sun. Basically, nothing really happens during this night. And we're given a little bit more explanation as to why it is so dangerous. They went around wearily, quote, shunning the night-eyed hunters of Morgoth. There's orcs and even more terrible things out there. And all this time, Veronway is choosing their path. He's moving them eastward along the mountains in the north. And Tord notes that at no point do they ever turn southward. And he finds this odd. Again, he doesn't know exactly where they're going, but he's got speculation about where Gondolin is likely to be, but it's strange that they are going so far north because, quote, he believed, as did well nigh all elves and men, that Turgon dwelt far from the battles in the north. Gondolin is strangely close. Remember, it's encircled by these mountains and nobody can see its actual location. They're all assuming, oh, it must be further south like Nargothrond, but it's not. And as they journey, we're given descriptions about how the fell winter came down swiftly from the realm of Morgoth. And I love this idea that, again, it's not just a normal winter. A normal winter is beautiful. It's something that's natural. It's something that the elves would marvel at, get lost in, that sort of thing. No, this was a fell winter. This cold was meant to hurt you, to starve you. And it was not natural. They head even further in. They get to the sources of the Narog, the origins of that great river, which should sound familiar if you remember some of the other stories. And then there at the end of a weary night in the gray of dawn, they halted and Veronwi was dismayed, looking about him in fear and grief. Where once the fair pool of Ivrin had lain in its great stone basin carved by falling waters, and all about it had been a tree-clad hollow under the hills, now he saw a land defiled and desolate. The trees were burned and uprooted, and the stone marges of the pool were broken, so that the waters of Ivrin strayed and wrought a great barren marsh amid the ruin. All now was but a welter of frozen mire, and a reek of decay lay like a foul mist upon the ground. 
Veronle cries out, Alas, has the evil come even here? Once far from the threat of Angband was this place, but ever the fingers of Morgoth grope further. And Tour responds because he notices something. He says, It is even as Ulmo spoke to me, said Tour. The springs are poisoned, and my power withdraws from the waters of the land. What could have done this? The orcs, maybe, but they, they don't really seem to know yet. But the conversation continues. Yet, said Veronwi, a malice has been here with strength greater than that of orcs. Fear lingers in this place. And he searched about the edges of the mire until suddenly he stood still and cried again. Yea, a great evil. And he beckoned to Tour, and Tour, coming, saw a slot like a huge furrow that passed away southward, almost like something had carved through the ground. And at either side, now blurred, now sealed hard and clear by frost, the marks of great clawed feet. What could this be? Now, of course, it goes on and explains it, but I want you to think about this for a minute. You have to remember when this takes place. Tur is the son of Hur. Hur is the brother of Hurin. Hurin has a son, Turin. Tur and Turin are cousins. While Tur has been exploring the coastline, following Ulmo to the sea, meeting Veranwi, Turin has been looking for his mother and his sister. He's been, I guess for lack of a better way of explaining it, kind of bumbling around, going from one group to the next, fighting the good fight against the orcs and the forces of Morgoth. But in the time that Tour has been off to the coast, another creature was loosed out into the world. Something more dangerous than anyone had ever encountered before. The very next paragraph, Veronwi realizes this. He says, See? And his face was pale with dread and loathing. Here, not long since, was the great worm of Angband, most fell of all the creatures of the enemy. Late already is our errand to Turgon. There is need of haste. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.